issue, dear? Why are you holding back from such a man? Is it the clumpy way he walks? What? Or the that. grumpy way he talks? Oh, no. Or the piercing, square shaped weirdness of his feet? Hey. That's because people and keep no, talking. No, he washes well. He always ends up sort of smelly. But you'll never meet a fellow who's as sensitive and sweet. That's nice. But so he's a bit of a fixer-upper. So he's got a few flaws. Like his peculiar brain, dear. This thing with the reindeer. That's a little outside of nature's This is not about me. So he's a bit of a fixer-upper. about this we've got a real actual problem here i'll say so tell me dear yeah. is it the way that he runs scared or that he's socially impaired i bet he only likes him pink girl in the woods i did not need to know that are you holding back your fondness due to his unmanly blondness or the way he covers up that easy honest good So she's a bit of a fixer-upper. That's a minor thing. Her quote engagement is a flex arrangement. And by the way, I don't see no ring. She's a bit of a fixer-upper. that video. All right. Thank you. Someone else composed that, but thank you very much. I, I saw a couple of you mouthing the words. Lindsay was back there. She's doing a little dance in the back of her chair there. It was good. Mr. Greg, you might turn those lights on for us. Fixer Upper. That's what we're talking about tonight. Specifically, we're talking about relationships. Guys, oh man, again, no, we haven't talked about this in like a year. You need to understand something. At some point, if you are not now, one day you very well may be in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. I hope. Okay? I hope, girls, you find a guy. Guys, you find a girl. If something else is going on there, come see me. We'll talk. But one day, one day when you decide to enter into a relationship, you need to understand something. Ladies, there is no perfect man. He doesn't exist. Guys, guys, there is no perfect woman. She doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. Every single person, hey, every single person, including everyone in this room, when it comes to relationships, you are a fixer-upper. There are things in your life, there are things in the lives of other people that you will encounter that should change. That, that maybe need to be worked on a little bit. That's what that whole song was about, is this guy's got all these weird things about him. Uh, it's okay, he's a fixer-upper. We can, we can fix those things. And then you saw the whole thing about the end where she's engaged. Well, it was a flex arrangement because she didn't even have a ring, and we can fix that too. You see, everybody's got things that, that can be fixed that need to be changed. And one of the things we need to understand is when we go into a relationship with a guy or a girl, you understand that that's a huge commitment. That when you go into a relationship, that there you are investing time, you are investing emotions, you are investing sometimes 
financially money, depending on how far that relationship goes? Valentine, exactly. Okay, I got to ask, how many of y'all break up with your girlfriend right before Valentine's? Okay, I just, okay. did that happen to you? <laughs> you were the break E? I'm sorry to hear that. So, hey, hey, guys, you need to understand that a relationship, a relationship is a huge commitment. And I know this sounds kind of weird, but I think of a relationship is kind of like buying a house. What? Stick with me for a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you'll close your mouths and listen for a second, I can explain to you what I mean. That'll work too, as long as it's quiet. Miss Kathleen and I have bought three houses. We've rented a couple. We've bought three because we wanted a house. So we bought it one at a time. Not three at a time. I, I don't make that kind I work at a church. I don't make that kind of money, okay? <laughs> I don't have a clue, so I'm not even going there. It's kind of, to me, <laughs> hey, a relationship is kind of like going into buying a house. Hey, when you go to buy a house, you don't just walk up and buy the first house you see. You don't. When you go to buy a house, you spend some time. You look around. You get an idea of what you're looking for. And then you have to understand that getting a house is an investment. And that there are certain things, all of these things that you look for in a house, there are some concrete things. There are some things that, that should really be set that are kind of non-negotiables. But when it comes to talking about buying houses and what you should look for, I'm not an expert. However, Mr. Greg Lane is. So I've asked Mr. Greg to come up here and talk to you guys about a few things that have to do with houses and then we're going to see what that looks like when it comes to relationships. So y'all give you respect and give it up for Mr. Greg. If he would use a handheld mic up there. Someone asked, why, why would you buy a house? If you're living in an apartment, you're never going to, it's never going to be your own, right? So you're not going to paint, paint it the same colors. You're probably not going to put the paintings up and, and just kind of, as my wife says, decorate it to make it your own. So that's one of the reasons you would buy a house. The house Jesse's in now, they spend a lot of time making it look good. You guys do a lot of painting yourself, but not everybody does that. It's an interim place. So a, a lot of places you're going to end up buying, or places, houses you guys buy are going to need fixing up. Do you, anybody like projects? Do you guys like that kind of thing? You do? I don't. I'm the type that would rather pay somebody to do it, just my opportunity cost. But if you do like that, you can get a much more bang for your buck. If you buy a house that's – I have a friend right now that's buying a house for $50,000. He's going to put about twenty grand into it. He's going to have 70000 when he's done. It's going to be worth about 100 because nobody else wants to do that work. So he's getting paid back for his, uh, his risk, his time, and he wants some entrepreneurial profit. So if you have the ability to do that, like uh, Tom LaDuke, is a car he's not back here anymore, but he's a carpenter. He can do a lot of the work himself. If I buy the house, I've got to pay somebody to do it, or I've got to do it myself and do it wrong and then have it torn out and start again. So some of you I know because I see you on Sunday mornings. If I don't and you come this Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, please join us. If you think this topic is something, wait till you see the lesson topic for this coming Sunday. And it's and the, what's even crazier is it's three in a row, right? It's awesome. It's Yeah, it's, it's going to be an awesome lesson. It's going to be great. So if I'm going to spend half of my Saturday working on the lesson, I want you guys to come and check it out. So anyways, what I do for a living is I appraise real estate. I'm a realtor also, but I don't sell. I just appraise. So I analyze homes. I analyze, look at numbers, but I look at the house. So this morning at, at uh, about 9 o'clock, I was at a house. It's raining. It's cold. Um, and I had to measure the house. You get the pictures of the outside. Walk to the inside. This guy's got a big fixer-upper. It's got carpet from 1970 in it. Imagine the smell. What's underneath that? His roof is leaking. His AC isn't working. He's got like a... Um, a space heater in the garage pushing air into the house. Big time fixer upper needs a lot of work. So when we appraise that home, we're looking at those things. In fact, we're looking at a lot of components other than the land, which is a big part of it. We're looking at structural items. We're looking at to make sure the house has a solid foundation, to make sure that look at the cosmetic and the warranted items, and to look at maybe the gross living area or how big the house is. When we look at, if I said to you, the wise man built his house on a Rock, right? Yeah, sand, right, exactly. Yeah, I appraised a home that was built on sand. The foundation cracked, right? You build the house on the rock and you got a solid foundation, you can build from there. Um, when I was looking at the house I'm looking at right now, we're looking at uh, 
has wood pilings. Different types of foundations would be concrete block piers. I know somebody has a home that has concrete block piers. If you look underneath it, under the crawl space, you've got wood pilings. If somebody has a beach house or uh, there's a neighbor called uh, Blairstone Forest in Tallahassee where all the homes are built on a, a swamp and they all have wood pilings that went into the ground. And then you've got um, just a slab. So many of you, if you walk around the house and you kind of hear that noise, your house is probably off-grade, concrete block, foundation, stem wall. But if you don't hear that noise and you look and there's nothing under the wood floors or carpet than concrete, it's just a concrete slab. But all those are important. So we have to determine what is there. What is the foundation? Is it solid concrete? Is it a concrete stem wall? Is it, are they wood, uh, wood piers? And is there anything undermining that? For example, erosion? Or is there, are there termites that are taking, taking the wood pilings down? Then the whole thing goes down. You've got to start with a solid foundation. One of the houses we're looking at now, I, I work with some investors, and we're looking at a house now that is um, mainly uh, on concrete block piers, so just concrete blocks stacked like this, or CCBs, CC, uh, these we call them. And the um, back part of the house, they did an addition, so they added a screen porch back there, and that part – um, the guy described the home inspector described they just took scrap wood and somehow you know uh, rigged this thing to uh, to uh, support the house. It's not supporting the house, and the home inspection I just saw on the way here says that that all needs to be taken out. So we're going to buy that house. Uh, the investor, the investing group is, and we're going to have to redo the foundation. It's going to cost probably ten thousand dollars to redo that before we get the house going. So that's an important part of what one of the uh, important things that we're looking at. Uh, I also looked at a house that uh, a tree root, uh, like big oak trees, the big roots will undermine your driveway, and you'll see the big driveway cracks. They can also get under the foundation, and then you can have erosion that would take under the foundation. Saw a house yesterday where the concrete had just, it, I mean, it looked like this. It's like Godzilla had come up from the concrete thing, but it was a big tree root. But that, if it's under your foundation, it can hinder that too. The house out in northeast Tallahassee that we just looked at that had to be pinned the house had a concrete foundation crack, and it's only five years old, but so bad that they had to come in, and um, the, there was some movement and settlement. They had to dig all the way around the house, and they, and they call it pinning. The guy spent $50,000 to shore up this house, and I thought, what happens when you do that? You know, you had this problem, and now we shore up the house and put everything back, and even though you show somebody the paper where, hey, we fixed it, is there still going to be some stigma? Are people still going to say, well, now the foundation isn't as good? And the company that warranted it said they warranted it for life, so if it happens again, they would fix it. But the house sold for $650,000, so obviously somebody was fine with it. Um, we'd appraise it. I, I'd appraise it for six sixty. The house was 4,700 square feet. Yeah. And that house was on a slab, and then it had a, a crawl space underneath. Other things we look – so aside from the foundation component, we might look at cosmetic or, or warranted items. Cosmetic being things like the carpet, like this lovely carpet down here or the linoleum floor. We can take that up and change that, right? The foundation may not be something we can change. You might look at the house and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a carpenter. I can't do that. I'm not an H. You know what HVAC is? Doesn't, did your dad do HVAC? Heat and air? Heating, ventilation, air conditioning? So maybe I'm not an HVAC expert or um, a carpenter or, um, or I don't do uh, kitchen uh, plumbing. But maybe I can fix carpet and in the tile. That's something that's surface, cosmetic. I could easily change that. But maybe a deal breaker, something that would keep me from buying that house, would be if there was a plumbing issue or if there was a foundation issue or if the roof leaked. Those are things that if you're writing a contract – hold on just a second. If you're writing a contract on a house, you're going to accept it with the, the, the black paint or the green paint that you may not like that in the house. But you're not going to accept it if you've got uh, plumbing problems, electrical problems, or if the roof's leaking. Yes, Reed? Flooding issues? Um, did anybody go into the Champion's house after they had a flood? You did. So the Champion's house, it was a backflow, right? So plumbing backed up into the house, right? I looked at another house in, you all know where Waverly Hills is? I looked at a house in Waverly Hills where the plumbing backed up into the house. And when I say plumbing, I mean the sewer backed up into the house. Four feet. What's that? This happened to people. In it. Yeah, exactly. So when that happens, are you going to buy a house that had that problem? It needs to be fixed and, and completely mitigated before you're going to buy the home. You're not going to buy a home that maybe has that problem. When they have that, they clean out the house, they go out, and they fix the backflow device, so it hopefully doesn't happen again. But those are just the major things. Um, so, again, the, some of these things we can't change, 
Other things we look at is, hey, that's a fixer-upper, and maybe I can handle that myself. Or maybe that's cosmetic, and it's like, I'm okay with that for right now because I can maybe re- uh, replace the carpet later with hand-scraped mahogany or whatever kind of floor I'm going to want. What I worry about for you guys is that the cosmetic things seem to be becoming more important, the superficial, the surface items. You walk in, when you go to your apartment at FSU or University of Florida, wherever you go, you're going to expect granite countertops and wood flooring. I mean, aren't you? And you're going to expect stainless appliances. You know, my first apartment, and probably Jesse's too, was as bare bones as you can get. It was just, give me a place to live that's 400 bucks a month. And now these places are building an FSU. All this cosmetic stuff is so expensive. It's going to cost you more to live. Yes, Reed. Right? Yeah. And that includes, it includes a very nice place. It includes internet and all those kind of things too. But that's what you guys expect. That's what worries me. It's not, it's not just about keep, keep me dry and keep the, my Diet Coke cool in the refrigerator and the plumbing's working. It's about other things too, superficial cosmetic things. Last thing I want to talk about, last component would be the square footage of the house. There are certain homes that you may not buy. If you have, uh, if uh, Jimmy ends up, how many, well, you got, in your house, you got what, six people, right? Six? Your house, you would need at least 2,500 square feet for everybody to have their own space, their own, you probably, what, do you have three bathrooms? Yeah. Your family wouldn't be able to, your family wouldn't be okay in a two-bedroom, two-bath home, right? So the bedroom count may have an impact. And the bathroom count may have an impact. You can't change those things either. You can. It costs very, it costs a lot of money. Whether the house is, what if the home is, what if your grandparents moved in with you and your house is two-story? Would that work for them if they had to go upstairs to the bedrooms? For your grandfather, maybe. But let's say he couldn't get up and down the stairs. Wow. So you can, you can do it, right? You can fit. My, grand, my uh, mother-in-law, had, they had seven kids in their family, and they lived in a two-bedroom one bath. They had no bathroom. They had an outhouse in Mayo, Florida. That's what they grew up in, if you can imagine. So, so the square footage of the house is important. The bedroom and bath count. The design of the home. If you had a multi-generational family living in this house, you may need a place for older folks, for younger folks. Maybe they can't go up and down the stairs. Maybe you have an in-law suite. Um, but the other thing we look at is can we grow into the home? So if the home now is 1,500 square feet and we think we really like this location like in, uh, say, and it, maybe we have a nice uh, two acres in Havana, and we love this location, want to stay here forever. Well, we can take that 1,500 square foot house and add 400 square feet to it when we have a child, or we can add, or our, our in-laws come to stay with us, and we can add a guest house. We have the growth to do it without over improving on that property. So the ability to grow is important as well. If you buy a home that has like a screen porch in the back, I'm thinking we're going to put windows back there, put a, a mini split system. Now we're going to have a heat and cooled. Uh, a game room or, or a TV room. You got a basement space that's that's high and dry, uh, and you got stairs from the inside of the house. That becomes the man cave, right? Especially if it opens up to a pool. You got the barbecue out there. So I look at a home from the standpoint of what can it be, and if we do add to it, would it be an over improvement for that property? Jesse's going to take some of these components and then relate it back. To, from a relation and look at it from a perspective of a relationship perspective and then from the biblical perspective as well. So I hope hope you guys listen to what Jesse says and kind of combine all this together. All right, y'all give Mr. Greg a hand. Thank you, sir. Nah, I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good. I'll move it for you there. Dad. <laughs> okay, so now you may be wondering, okay, now one day when you go to look for a house, you know some key things to look for, right? You can tell me what they are. He, he named like three different things. What were they? Foundation. What? Square root. No. Square what? Square footage. And what was the other thing? No. Cosmetics. You look at square footage. You look at the cosmetics. And you look at the foundation. Now, what in the world does that have to do with dating? A lot. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. Listen up. (laughs) Wow, Justin, you just derailed everybody. You know what? Hey, every one of those does, does transfer to guy and girl relationships. Now, not exactly the way you said it. But it does, Cheetos, not that either. 
But it does relate to guy and girl relationships. Because the truth is, guys, any relationship you enter in with, or, or any person you enter into a relationship with, you are entering into a relationship with a fixer-upper. And so are they. Every single one of us, when you decide to date, which, by the way, let's talk about that for a second. Dating. Is it scriptural? No. So you're telling me dating's found nowhere in the Bible? If you look at scripture, the concept of dating doesn't exist. Now, that doesn't mean you should not date. What that does mean, though, is that when you decide to date, if you base your life on scripture, then it needs to follow scripture. Your dating relationship. The purpose of a dating relationship as we date now is to find a spouse scripturally. Going out with somebody, hanging out with somebody, seeing somebody, whatever you want to call it. When you spend time with an individual and that is your boyfriend, your girlfriend, scripturally, the goal of relationships between guys and girls is to lead to marriage. Okay? So I'm saying this. I'm not saying don't date. Okay, I'm not going to tell you that, but I am going to tell you that if you do decide to date, you need to make sure you're looking at what Scripture says about that relationship, and that's what we're talking about tonight. So, we start with a solid foundation like Mr. Greg talked about. What does that mean for a relationship? What's the, what does that mean to have a solid foundation? Big feet. Big feet. Yeah. No. They have to have, like, good values, like, good, like, standpoint, like, Okay, good values, good standpoints. Anybody got anything you want to add to that? Take away? Firm lines that they don't cross. We're going to talk about that, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about when we say a foundation. Yes, Mandy. Did y'all hear that? As a Christian, you should be looking for someone who's also a Christian. Yes, yes. Rachel? You do want somebody that has good morals, good values, good viewpoints, absolutely. But is a solid foundation when it comes to a dating relationship or a marriage relationship, if we're going by what Scripture says, if we're basing our life on that, then a solid foundation means that we are looking for someone whose foundation is Christ. That's what Mr. Greg referenced the verses, and I'll say it again. It's in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 47. It says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words... And does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. See, what that's talking about there, he's saying the person that comes and, and knows Scripture and follows Scripture and lives their life according to what God's Word says, they have a solid foundation for their life. And if you're going to build a relationship or even a life with someone, then I recommend you look for somebody that has a solid foundation. Because if that individual is not solidly founded, if they're not built on Christ, then it's a pretty good chance that over time that relationship is going to crumble because their foundation is going to crumble. That's why it's important. Now, does that mean that you as a Christian should not date someone who is not a Christian? Yes or no? Should you be allowed to date non-Christians? How many say yes? You should be allowed to date non-Christians. How many of you say no? Don't date non-Christians. Okay. If you said yes, tell me why. Why? My aunt and uncle are married. Okay. I think you should be able to uh, make your own choice, but I think you should be able to look at your uh, strengths and weaknesses and make that choice based on that. If you're going to be, it says to not be anything good, but if um, it depends on, like, you know, how some people change others, it depends on if it's changed for the good or bad. Okay. Okay. So we can have arguments for it. We can have arguments against it. And I'm not going to tell you 
which way is right, which way is wrong. If you decide that you're going to date somebody that's not a Christian, you just need to understand going into that relationship, the foundation that you're basing that relationship on, it's not the solid foundation of Christ. And understand that one day that relationship, maybe it won't fall apart, but maybe it will. Yes. Scripture shows us that's the purpose of guy-girl relationships. If you get married and you have kids, then you do run into an issue one day. Where's the family going to go to church? Is the family going to go to church? How are you going to worship? What are you going to worship? All of these different things. What are you going to teach your kids? What are you not going to teach your kids? Now you've got a conflict because, I mean, for Justin, from what you're saying, that hits very close to home. You've got an uncle who doesn't have anything to do with it and an aunt who does. But when we look at the way the family structure is set up, who is designed to lead the family? The father. So, yes, that may be working, but it's not working as good as it could. It's not working as well as it should if it's done the way it was designed. So does that mean, and, and we used to call this back when we were in high school, our youth pastors would call it missionary dating. I'm going to date that person. I'm going to bring them to church so that they can get saved and they can have a relationship with Jesus, and then I can love them and it will be okay. And a lot of times, let me tell you this, that does work sometimes, but more times than not, it doesn't work out. And it's not because you're not doing the best job you can, but it's because the direction you're going and the direction they're going are opposite directions. So a solid foundation in a relationship, you want to look for someone who has their solid foundation in Jesus Christ. Because if that's where they're starting, then yeah, they, they may mess up. There may be problems in their life. There's still things that need to be fixed up about them, but at least they've got that solid foundation. And you know that no matter what comes in their life, they're grounded. They know that they base their life on Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing Mr. Greg talked about. The second thing he talked about was this, cosmetics. <laughs> when we decide to date someone, we need to decide before we ever get into the relationship what is cosmetic about the relationship and what's not. What, what are some things that you would say are cosmetic in a relationship and don't tell me makeup? Yes. Okay, well, is it like, is it wrong to like not date someone like, okay, I have a great personality, but like you are not attracted to their face whatsoever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, wait, you're emotionally, you're emo, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's, let's address this for a second. Let me make sure I understand the question. You are, hey, y'all, listen up. You are emotionally attracted to the person, but physically it's like, okay, no, it's just a hypothetical. Well, think about it this way, folks. Uh, not necessarily. Hey, think about it. Think about it this way. When you talk to that person. It's not always going to be on the phone. You're going to talk to them face-to-face. -face. And even if it is on the phone, it's probably going to be FaceTime, and then you run into another problem. Unless you, like, put a picture of an actor up there whenever they come up so you don't have to look at them. It's not necessarily wrong, but, hey, are you doing them a disservice by continuing that relationship when you have part of you that doesn't really care for that person? You are. Because you're... You are, in a way, robbing them of a relationship where someone does find them physically attractive. Now, again, that's your choice, but you need to think through some of those things. And that's a, that's a good question about the cosmetics. Okay, if maybe they just need to shave and they'd be happy, that's cosmetic. But if they've got a face you just can't stand to look at, that's not cosmetic, and that can't really be fixed. 
So you got you've got to decide what's cosmetic. Give me some other examples of things that are cosmetic in a relationship. So what are important in a relationship? If you are not physically attracted to a person, isn't that going to be an issue? And well, think about it this way though. If you're not physically attracted to them, you may never want to have babies with them because you don't want them coming near you. If you don't like to look at their face, you're not going to want that face kissing you. Okay? So you, you need to think, what is cosmetic? What is a deal breaker? Your face is ugly. Don't touch me. That's going to be a problem. Hold on. Back, what is, tell me what is cosmetic. What would you consider cosmetic? Not going to work. Okay, hold on. Jacob says, Jacob says their laugh is cosmetic. Okay? Is that something you can change? You can't really change their laugh. Mandy. Bad habits. Okay. Bad habits can be cosmetic. Hey, guys. Bad habits can be cosmetic. Now, that will depend on what the habits are. There are some habits that maybe you can put up with. There's other habits that are like, uh, no, I'm not touching that. I can tell you right now, where I went to high school, it was a bit of a country high school. In our high school, a lot of guys dipped. A lot of guys dipped. I can promise you that's a cosmetic thing, but if I had dipped, Miss Kathleen would never have gone out with me. Yeah. I'd, I'd like be missing my jaw by now. But for, hey, but for some, for some girls, guys, ladies, for some girls, that wasn't an issue. That, that wasn't a big deal. But for Miss Kathleen, that was a deal breaker. Yeah, there are some girls that dip too. Ugh. What else is cosmetic? All right, we got bad habits. Give me something else. Yes. Cosmetics. Language. Okay. If they're fat, they could lose weight. Yes, they could. I don't, wait, hold on, hold on. That's not really something you want to go into a relationship and say, I like you, you're kind of pretty, but you'd be hot if you'd lose some weight. I don't think I'd go that route. It's not going to work for you. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yes. Okay, wait, wait, stop. Stop. Y'all are getting, I just need to share a couple things and I need you to contain your reaction here for a second. <laughs> Landon asked about weight. Nick said the way to address that is just go up to him and say, hey, you want to work out? <laughs> okay, Justin. Justin, you have something. Listen up, guys. Justin's turn. Their personality. That is cosmetic or is not? When I'm, when I'm saying cosmetic, let me make sure I'm, I'm saying what you understand. When I say cosmetic, thank you. Y'all give Mr. Greg another hand. He's got to head out. Hey, when I say cosmetic, I'm talking about things that are there but could possibly change. There, or or there, maybe there are things you could live with for a little while or you could decide that, okay, well, I can put – like you walk through your house and you've got wood floors and throughout the entire house there's one creaky board. You're probably not going to rip up the entire flooring in the entire house to fix that one creaky board. You'll probably learn to live with that. That's some of the things we're talking about when it's cosmetic. It's, it could be fixed, but maybe it's something you can live with at the same time, at least for a while. Those are the things we're talking about. You need to decide – you have to decide. Hey, this is what I'm saying, guys. When it comes to a relationship, you need to decide what is cosmetic for you. What is something that, okay, it's, that it's really not that big a deal? Okay, may, maybe that's not the way. If I was God, I wouldn't necessarily made that part about them that way. But, but that's part of who they are, and I'm going to accept that as part of who they are. And it's okay. We can live with that. You need to decide what it is, what that is for you, and you also need to decide what are those things that uh, – no, that's a deal breaker. They dip? Uh-uh. No. They won't shave? No. They're overweight? I don't like their face? Not going to date them. Yeah. What's that? Again, you need – hey, when it comes to friends, that's a good question. What – when it comes to friends, you need to decide – whether or not you can stand their friends. You do. 
Because I can tell you right now, guys, if a girl's friends don't like you, you probably don't stand a chance. Pretty, pretty, pretty safe bet. If a girl's friends don't like you, you might as well just give up. Because you really don't have a chance without a girl. Because guys, guys, her friends will have a lot more influence in that relationship than you probably will. If guys don't like the girl, I don't know. Sometimes the guys are just jealous. Sometimes you got to decide, hey, who do you care about more? Sometimes the girl should win out. Just saying. Sometimes. Sometimes. So cosmetic. Hey, you need to decide what you're willing to live with, what's not that big a deal, and what's a deal breaker. You've got to know those two before you get into a relationship. Okay? What was the next thing you talked about after cosmetic? Square footage. What in the world does that mean in a relationship? And I'm not talking about how skinny or fat they are, Landon Albritton. <laughs> okay, stop. Stop. What does square footage have to do with relationships? Think about what Mr. Greg talked about. No, we're going to talk about that. Space. What, what do you mean space? No, I don't know. Leave room for Jesus? Yes, you need to leave room for Jesus. He needs to be the first one in the room. No, not really. Wait, hey, think, think about square footage. Yes. Okay, baggage is important. Yes. But hey, when we talk about square footage in a relationship, ladies and gentlemen, the whole idea of square footage, when you're looking at a house, if you plan to have a family and grow, you're probably not going to, on purpose, get a 500-square-foot apartment knowing within a year you want to have at least one child, and within three years you're going to have three children, and you're not moving out of that apartment. That's a child a year. Some people do that. We've known people that have done that. How, how many children do they have down in West Palm now? Like eight kids in one family, and they're all really close, like in age. When we talk about square footage in a relationship, in a house, guys, hey, in a house, you look at square footage because you are looking at your potential for growth. Is this house big enough for my family? Sorensen's, you all, you just had a renovation on your house to make it bigger for your family, didn't you? So that it looked better, so you've got more room. When we look for a house, square footage is important because you need to know how much space you're going to have. And if you're going to grow in a family, you need to have more space for everybody. Square footage in a relationship is the same thing. You need to look for potential for growth. When you're, what's that? Not, ba not babies. I'm not talking about babies yet. No. Just clarifying. But think about it. Think about it. Potential for growth. There's two things that you need to look at. When you're looking at that guy or that girl, you need to look at their potential for growth. One of those potentials is the potential for personal growth. What do you think that means? Read. What's that? How open they are with you? Okay, growing together in the relationship. Learning, yeah. You've got all these things. You've got growth in the relationship. You've got personal, getting to know them. But you also need to think about, is this person growing themselves personally? Step back from the relationship for a minute. Is this guy or this girl on their own without you showing any kind of personal growth? In other words, are they bettering themselves? Like when, when you go to school and the guy that you really, really like, you're in math with him. And when it comes to math, he's making straight D's. And then you go to science with him and he's making straight D's. And then you go to history with him. He's got an F in that one. Pretty good chance there's a work ethic thing going on here. That this guy doesn't have a very good work ethic. Now, maybe he does need help academically. Maybe there's no help that can be given. But either way, hey, exactly. There's study hall. Is this guy who's failing his classes willing to put in the work to get his grades up to make himself better. You've got to make yourself better. Or talk to his girlfriend and not bring his grades up. You've got, to look at, you've got to look at personal growth, guys, and it goes back to the work ethic of this guy or this girl. I mean, hey, 
Hey, Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. That goes back to the solid foundation. If this guy or this girl that you like has a relationship with Christ, then are they addressing life this way? Are they doing everything they're doing as if it's for God and not for everybody else? Do they have a good work ethic? Are they working on bettering themselves personally, but not just personally, spiritually as well? If the guy or girl that you think you're interested in has no interest in developing them or growing spiritually and has no potential to grow spiritually that they show you, that might cause a problem. What does that look like for somebody to, to grow spiritually? What, what does that entail? What does that mean? What do you mean? What's that? Sanctification. Read. What is sanctification? Okay. Absolutely. Sanctification. It's a continuing process of becoming more and more like Christ. And we do that through things like reading our Bible, listening to sermons, taking notes when people are talking, not writing them, taking them. There's a difference. I was taking notes. Good. That means you're writing down what you're learning and you're actually hearing. Writing notes means you're communicating with other people around you and not really paying attention. It just looks like you are because you're writing. There's a difference. You need to look at the potential for spiritual growth because if dating relationships are intended to lead to marriage relationships, guess what, ladies? One day, is this the guy you want leading you spiritually? Is this the guy you want leading your family, your children, when it comes to knowing who God is and how God wants this family to operate? Guys, is this girl the woman that you want to spend so much time with your children because it's just the way it works out? Even if both parents work, it still ends up, at least for a while, that the woman is the one that teaches a lot more about who God is when they're younger because she'll just spend more time with them. That's just, it's just how it works out. It's not right or wrong. It's just the fact of the matter. Is this the woman that you want teaching your children on a daily basis about who God is? Is this the woman who can teach your children? You need to look for somebody who's got the potential to grow spiritually, to go deeper in their relationship with Christ. So as they do that and you do that, your relationship with each other gets stronger. And that marriage that you have one day is built on Christ, and it's growing. So when you have children, you can show them who Christ is, and you can help them grow spiritually so they can one day turn around and repeat the process. That's what it means when we talk about square footage in a relationship. And there was something else that, that one of y'all mentioned, Mr. Greg didn't really touch on, but I wanted to make sure we, we address this as well. And it matters when you're buying a house that you make sure that that property has clear boundaries. Clear boundaries. What's the purpose of a fence around your yard? Keep the dog out. Or keep the dog in. Keep others out. Privacy. <laughs> okay, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that. We'll talk about that too. Okay. The fence. You guys named a lot of good reasons. It keeps people out. It keeps pets in. It shows people where the line of your property is. It basically is there for your benefit. If you have a fence or even just property lines, maybe there's not a fence, but you know where the boundary is. You know where your property stops and the next person starts. You know that on property because you want to make sure that nobody messes with your property. And that keeps you from messing with somebody else's. So we talk about clear boundaries in a relationship, just like on our property, they are there for our benefit. It starts with clear boundaries for yourself. For instance, I cannot get into a plane, have someone fly it to 20,000 feet, and then hand me the controls. And at that point, decide that I'm going to flip open the manual and learn what it is okay and not okay to do in that plane while I'm flying at 20,000 feet. At that point, it's a little late to know what's good and what's not. 
before we get into a dating relationship, we need to know where our boundaries are. We need to know what's good and what's not. What lines we're willing to cross and what lines we know we're not going to go past. And where we run into trouble a lot of times is, is we do like the flying scenario. We wait until we're dating someone. We wait until we're in some of that alone time and it's dark and there's nobody around and we can do whatever we want. And all of a sudden we start panicking thinking, okay, what am I going to let happen here? And by that time, it's usually too late. We've got to come up with those boundaries beforehand. And I, I'm not just talking about physical sexual boundaries. I'm talking about other boundaries, spiritual boundaries for yourself. Okay, I'm a Christian. This person's not. How far am I willing to pursue this relationship? Or I'm a Christian. This person's a Buddhist. How far am I going to buy into their belief system? Listen to me. Hey, you laugh, but relationships like this happen. People fall in love and they go on their feelings. <laughs> Let me go back and rephrase that because as a gentleman used to tell us, you don't fall in love, you fall into a ditch. You make a choice to love. And it's true. You have feelings for someone, but you make a choice to pursue those feelings. But how far are you willing to go yourself in any area of your life, spiritually, physically, mentally, anything in a relationship? Where are your boundaries? And then once you decide where your boundaries are, then you can start looking at someone else's boundaries. Now, where could you run into a problem with that in a relationship? If you know where your boundaries are, how could that cause a problem in a relationship still? You don't know where theirs are. You don't know what they think about certain situations because you haven't talked about it. You don't know what they'll do when certain things come up because you haven't talked about it. Now, let me, let me, let me say something to you. It may be awkward. It may be awkward to sit down with that guy or that girl and say, hey, here's my line. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, personally, these are the lines I'm not willing to cross. That may be awkward. But it would be much more awkward if you get yourself into a relationship and let's just go physical for a minute. And you have to look at your parents in the eye and say, yep. I'm pregnant, or I got her pregnant. That's a whole lot more awkward. Or, or let's stick with the physical. One day, one day when you finally have that person, and you marry that person, or you're about to marry that person, and they look you in the eye and say, am I the only person you've ever been with? Oh, yeah. Gets awkward then, doesn't it? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Hey, but some people don't. You, before you ever date, before you ever start talking to somebody, you need to decide where your boundaries are. And once you've decided where your boundaries are, you need to make sure you figure out where that other person's boundaries are are i know guys this this sounds like weird some of it even crazy stuff but if you will sit down and ask yourself these questions if you will look at these things you will save yourself a lot of time and a lot of trouble and let me touch on something else i mentioned a second ago having to sit down and have an awkward conversation with your parents you need to know something right now you are under your parents authority in your home you are. They are your mother. They are your father. So when it comes to your dating relationships, whether you like it or not, they have a say in who you get to see. You say, no, they don't. Yes, they do. And they do because God's word says they do. How'd that work out? Everybody's dead. Hello? Not a good example, Reed. <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Listen to Miss Kathleen. <laughs> Ephesians. Ephesians 6, chapter 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Your parents, listen to me. 
Whether you agree with their opinion about the guy you like or the girl you like, your parents are the number one authority in your life, second only to God. Because that's what God's word tells us. And your parents have lived longer than you. Your parents have seen more relationships go south than you have. Your parents have seen more heartbreak and heartache and pain, and they probably have a pretty good idea of what to look for to help you out. Their love for you, hey, their love for you compels them to look out for your best interest when it comes to who you date. And you may not agree with what they say, but Scripture says you still have to honor them because what they say matters because they are the authority in your life. And y'all watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air before? And the parents just don't understand. Yeah, they do. They may not have been in your exact situation, but they do understand and they do care about you. Yes. What if, like, one of your parents, what if one's not kind of like, like going... <laughs> Jonathan, just start with, I have a friend whose parent, and you go from there. I have a friend whose parent is kind of like, whatever, like, like she won't, like, she doesn't care, like, whatever happens or something like that. Mm-hmm. What if the other one, like, even if, what if the other one, like, cares about So you've got one parent that cares? Yeah, my friend. Your friends. I, no, I'm just saying in general, not you. We're not talking about you. Your friend has a parent that cares, and in that relationship, there's a parent who doesn't care. Okay? Are these like two separate moms in your friend's situation? Like, is it a dad and a mom? Is it? Okay, so it's like a dad and a mom. One parent cares, one doesn't. Okay. What's that? Let me, let me, let me, okay, let me speak from personal experience. Growing up, I live with my dad. Every other weekend, I went to my mom's. With my dad, we went to church. We had rules. There were certain things we could and could not do. Lots of rules. With my mom, it was basically a free-for-all. Now, now my, my mom still, she, she cared about us. But as far as who I dated, where I went, what I did, she didn't really care. Well, you have to decide. Hold on. You have to decide, where's your foundation? And then if your foundation is on Christ, and the parent who does care's foundation is on Christ, that's probably the way you should lean. Okay? I could have, guys, I could have gotten away with anything I wanted to at my mom's. I know because my brother did a lot, and I watched him. But I chose not to go that route. That situation I was listening to my, the friend was listening to his parents. (laughs) (laughs) That's where your foundation matters. Maybe your parents are telling you it's, it's okay to do things that you know you probably shouldn't be doing well, then you need to go what you know to be truth and what Scripture says about how you're supposed to live your life. It's not that you're seeking to dishonor your parents. You can still respect your parents, but you can also tell your parents that, hey, mom, what's that? You can do it respectfully. You can tell them no. Miss Kathleen has something to share on this. An example on that, because a lot of you may find yourself in that situation. My parents didn't know Jesse dated in high school, and my parents absolutely adore Jesse. I'm Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, listen up. An example was the reason why your boundaries and your foundation does matter so much. Yes, you are under your parents' authority, but you all may, some of you may have a situation like I did, where you may be spiritually mature and faster than your parents. It, it happens. And you may need some boundaries in place. My parents, I, 
trusted me to do anything. I did not. They did nothing about my homework. They did nothing. And it, there was even a point in time where they were going out of town one time while Jesse had been dating for a couple years, and they thought it'd be smart for Jesse to come by and check on me while they were out of town. Fortunately, the great guy that I was dating, he was like, no, this is not be that one. Come over to my parents' house. And we went out and we did other things. But that was just a perfect example where because our parents trusted us so much, things could have gotten wrong. But that's where, I mean, guys, talk about like women over a real part. I respected him so much for that and felt so much safer with him because of that. that and guys, hold on, hold on. Before you clap, you need to hey, you need to know something. It's not because the desire for the wrong things wasn't there. No, it wasn't because I was too lazy. Hey, hey, I drove 20 minutes one way several times a weekend. It's not because the desire wasn't there, but it's because I knew that's not where I wanted that relationship to end up. That's not the direction I wanted to go. It's where your foundation is. Hey, ev everybody... Everybody's got a different situation with your families. We've all got different situations that we're going through or have gone through. It goes back to where your foundation is. And if you've got people speaking into your life through Scripture and the way God calls us to live our life, to honor Him, that's probably the people you ought to listen to. Now, if your parents, your grandparents, are the people speaking into your life and they are not speaking biblical principles into your life, you can respectfully say, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And if you're respectful about it, not every time, but most of the time, they'll probably be okay with it if you're respectful about it. That's the advice on that. Because that's what Scripture says. We're supposed to honor and obey our authorities. And you can disobey your authority but you need to do it respectfully and you need to be willing to accept the consequences if there are any for disobeying them. Guys, when it comes to relationships, there's all kinds of things we can talk about, all kinds of things we can cover. But before you ever get into a relationship, you need to ask yourself first, where is my foundation? What for me is cosmetic? What, what can I live with in my life? And what can I not live with? Am I growing personally, spiritually, Am I on track with where God wants me to be? And do I know where my boundaries are? And once you've answered those questions for yourself, then start looking at other people and start asking those questions about them. Now, these are not fail-proof questions. That doesn't mean somebody can't slip through the cracks and you still have a relationship with them and things not work out. Anything's possible. But if you will follow these basic principles... They will help you, and they will at least put your foot on the right path to a relationship that can and will honor God. And that's our prayer for you. I mean, Miss Kathleen and I are in here tonight. You guys know our story. We started dating in high school. This summer, we will have been married 17 years. We'll have been together for over 21 now. That's a long time, but I'm not. No, I love you, Reed. I love you. Hey, I want you to understand something. Our story is not the norm. We have a lot of friends that dated in high school. We even had some that got married. And most of them are divorced now. And most of them are divorced because they never did any of this. They never figured out where they were before they ever got into the relationship. And over time, that relationship crumbled. We don't want that for you guys. It matters who you date, and it matters who you are before you date. Ask yourself these questions. If you didn't write this down tonight and you don't know what those questions are, this is going to be on iTunes in the next couple of days. I'll upload everything we do in here on Wednesday nights other than the Worldview stuff we put on iTunes. Just search Fuel Student Ministry. You'll see our logo and you can listen to it and write down the questions again. Or you can just hear the stories again about Justin's friend and about Reed being home alone or, and, and all this other stuff. Or Sorry, Justin's aunt and uncle, Jonathan's friend. I'm just naming them all. Or how I'm Superman. Valentine's Day is coming up Friday. Maybe, maybe, 
Maybe you are looking towards Saturday when all the chocolate's on sale. Amen. And that's it, okay? But hey, hey, whatever, whatever it is, don't walk into a relationship blindly. Don't walk into a relationship because they're cute and because they make you laugh. Walk into a relationship knowing where that person is. Know their foundation, know their boundaries, know their potential for growth, and know your own. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. We're going to get out of here. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and and what he did. God, what he is still doing every single day and, and, and through the Holy Spirit, Lord, as we can know you and follow you. And God, we thank you for relationships. God, our lives are so much better because of them. But God, I pray that each one of us, Lord, even, even those that are married in here or will listen to this, God, that, that we will continue to ask ourselves these questions and we will continue to grow ourselves personally and spiritually, God, that we will know where we stand, that we will know that we are built on you, God. And I just pray for each person in here and their relationships now and their future relationships, God, that you will guide them and that you will bless their marriages and bless their dating because they are honoring you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.